1: Here's Galchenyuk dancing in, scores! Yeah! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in to shoot scores! Alex Galchenyuk up with a drop, put it, he's in alone, waiting, scores! This year, ladies and gentlemen, I can yell though dry. Oh my stars, what a stop by Carrie Price, robbing Sidney Crosby.
2: This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 182 of the Habs 360 podcast
3: for this Saturday, December 31st, 2016. My name is Chris G and you can follow Twitter at ChrisG1980. Today's episode is part two of our best of episodes, as we'll bring you some of the best moments of the season. We're going to replay our interview with Louis-Jean from TV Sports and my discussion with Rick about the Canadians, how they'll
2: manage during Alex Galchenyuk's and David Ernie's absence. But first... We're going to start with a discussion that I had on November 19th with John Bartlett, voice of the Canadians on Rogers
3: Sportsnet. At that time, the Canadians were on a three-game losing streak. It was the first lump of the season, and I asked John if he saw similarities to last season and if it's time to panic.
4: Well, no, I don't think it's any time to panic. I mean, the ending of last year, uh, obviously, was not something anybody uh, saw coming at this point of the season, but also... Uh, There was a much different factor involved when you uh, had the loss of Carey Price and everything else that happened from there. But, um, you know, yeah, everyone, of course, uh, it's amazing to think three in a row and uh, one of them being an overtime game and and one being a bad luck in Chicago uh, with the puck going off the netting and out. And and all of a sudden there's time to panic. But it's not really with the way the team has started. They've put some good points in the bank. And uh, right now I think they're they're just starting to get – into a situation where they've got to start working out on working out uh, some of the kinks that they have uh, in the system, and, you know. And when you look at how they sort of started, and everyone was really happy with the production that was coming from the third and fourth line, and people like Tory Mitchell were scoring, and Jeff Petrie was getting goals, and and how that was all coming together, and the third line was producing, but the big guns weren't producing, and and that maybe was going to catch up to them, and, and that's probably the point they're at right now is uh, when the third and fourth-line guys aren't scoring, uh, a game like last night is where you want to lean on, you know, uh, goals from uh, Placanits and Pacioretty and, um, you know, sort of have your top lines giving you a little more production, and it didn't come from there. So I think that that's that's now just sort of the balancing out of everything, and we're getting a little bit more of a sense as to where the team's at and what they're going to have to do and what they're going to have to try and improve as they move forward here. But definitely not a time to panic, that's for sure. Uh, Just a time to start making some of the adjustments that they're going to need to make.
3: And you spoke about the, the scoring in general since the beginning of the season has come uh, primarily from everybody except the top six forwards. She Weber has seven, Paul Byron has six, Matt Dano has five, Tori Mitchell has five goals. And if I look at players like, uh, let's say that Brendan Gallagher, he hasn't scored a goal in, uh, in his last 12 games. Like, let's talk about specifically about Gallagher. Like, what do you think is, is going on with him?
4: Well, I don't know if anything's going wrong. I think it's just a case of being a little snake bit right now, and um, you know, uh, just trying to trying to sort of find that that lucky bounce to get him going, and that extra. Uh, usually, he's the kind of guy he gets one, and then he gets rolling, and and that's sort of the situation I think for Brendan Gallagher. He just needs that goal, and he'll start finding the back of the net and going to the dirty areas, but. You know, an interesting little change in the concept maybe of the team this year is um, Brendan Gallagher used to be sort of the big spark plug for the team. He was a guy that energized everyone when he was in the lineup. And and now Alexander Radulov has done that uh, to a big extent. He's been out the last couple of games. So um, maybe it's a bit of a a change here in, in the guard, if you will, for now at least, as to who was sort of, firing the team up and getting them going uh, on the ice in a sense. And, and uh, you know, that was sort of Gallagher's old role, and Radulov seemed to have taken that over a bit. But I think for Brendan Gallagher, the goals are going to come. Uh, you know, he's a kind of hard-nosed player. He's always going in there always causing the traffic. So uh, he has pucks that just go off him and in, and, and he causes a lot of great opportunities. So uh, a little bit of a struggle right now for Brendan Gallagher, but, but nothing um, on his side. I think that, you know, you'd have to be too worried about as long as he's still playing the right way and, Causing that traffic and being a, a, you know, someone to stir the pot in front of the net, it's going to come for him.
3: And since uh, Mark Burcham joined the Canadians, it's four or five years ago. He's always been trying to fill uh, to get a top six forward to to help with the offense. Uh, Daniel Briere, uh, Pierre Parento. Uh, there was Thomas Vanek after the trade deadline that that was acquired. Uh, there was Alex Salmon last year. And so when the signing of Alex Rajalov was, was announced on uh, July 1st, you know, Habs fans were, were skeptic. Like, is this like another uh, risky player, another risky signing that uh, Marc Bregevin is doing? But if you look at, let's take last night's uh, lineup for the Canadians, without Rajalov in the lineup, that team offensively doesn't look that dangerous without him.
4: Well, they haven't won with him, not in the lineup. So that says a little something about him right there. And you're right. He brings that offensive dynamic. And, and he was going to be the question mark. And if he panned out, it was going to be a great signing for Mark and So far, it seems to be. Um, and you're right. They needed that little extra help uh, up offensively. And I guess uh, when you look at the lineup right now, they still probably could use a little more. Uh, but Radilov certainly has panned out. I think he's turned out to be uh, the player they were hoping he would be in the production coming from him and his love of the game, the spark he has, just uh, Just, you know, so excited to be around the rink all the time and and with the guys. So that's a great sign right there um, that he has that passion for the game. And um, it it certainly has worked out for now. And I think they definitely have missed him. I think moving forward, um, they still need to get a little more help up front. I think that uh, Radulov is going to be a good thing. but, But they know that they need a little more. And, you know, the reality of the situation right now for the Canadians, too, is they know they're in the window. This is the window to try and win. And you look at the moves that they've made, um, including the the Shea Weber uh, trade with P.K. Subban, and I know some people like to talk about that trade and say, wait till three years. Well, three years from now doesn't matter for the Canadians because their chance to win, their time to win is now, and they know that. So I think the moves that they'll make moving forward here, they realize they could probably use a little more help on the blue line and that they could still use in maybe another top six forward if they could get their hands on one to really – Uh, bolster the offense even more and um, don't be surprised if this is the year where the canadians you know either make a deal with some young players to try and uh, get that help for right now or uh, come to the realization it's time to move on from a couple of the veterans uh, because they're going to have to make those moves to compare themselves to not just the best teams in the east but also in the west and that's sort of the situation they're in right now and um, so radulov certainly has turned out to be a good addition from that side of things, but uh, there's some other players that have to uh, pick up the production a little, or else uh, they're going to be looking at trying to find some help elsewhere as well.
3: Uh, one of those players that I think needs to step up his production, uh, his production, is the Canadians captain uh, Max Pacioretty. He has uh, two goals, if I'm not mistaken, uh, most four goals this season. So that's half of his production that you know we're expect. Okay, everybody's expecting for 40 goals but he usually averages between 30 and 35. He's not on pace for that. Do you think that has to do anything with uh, the pressure of being captain or maybe even the arrival of, uh, of Shea Weber and addressing that maybe is intimidating or putting some extra pressure on him?
4: I don't know if it's extra pressure. I think he's probably got enough pressure he puts on himself, and Max sort of carries that weight all the time on his shoulders. and. Maybe that stems from the World Cup and how it started for Team USA, but, um, you know, I think for Max, he's always been a bit of a streaky scorer, so it's it's just sort of starting on a downswing maybe this year, and if he gets one, then another one will come, and we'll see how it goes tonight against Toronto. You know, he always seems to have some success uh, scoring against the Leafs, so maybe that's what he's been waiting for, but, um, uh, you know, I, I think Max just needs to get one or two on the board, and then they'll start coming for him, and... Uh, but the one thing about uh, about Pacioretty, and um, this might be the element of his game that will come just with getting that confidence back, is it uh, needs to be a little bit more net presence than driving to the net. Uh, the, per- the far perimeter shots all the time, he's got a heck of a shot, but I don't know if you want to rely on that all the time as much as maybe you'd like to You know, try to drive the net, force things a little more. So um, that's one element of his game I think that they'd like to see a little bit more out of him is, is be that kind of power forward. Uh, but for Maxo, like I said, so streaky. Sometimes it just takes a couple of goals and he gets rolling. And I think that that's what they're waiting for. But you're right. In a game like last night when, you know, that, that lower four or the lower six aren't getting the production and you're looking to your top six and then they can't produce. Uh, granted, the, the Cam Ward had a pretty solid night in net as well. But, um, you know, I think that that's, that's a situation there where you're kind of hoping that one of your top six forwards are going uh, to get you the goal that you need at the key time
3: if we uh, look at the defenseman uh, craig Patterson, he played about 11 minutes last uh last night so uh at certain uh, uh several moments during the game he he was being sat on the bench and either shea weber or no defenseman was uh, taking his uh his pot but if we look at craig Patterson, since the beginning of the season at one point the canadians wanted to take a look at uh while well, pattern was the player that was uh that was pulled out of the lineup they called up joel hanley from uh, saint john's craig Patton was pulled out of the lineup do you think the fact that he's always uh, being in and out of the lineup is affecting his his confidence
4: yeah you know for sure and i, I think that that's sort of the situation and i know he had that tough shift last night the lead to a goal with a couple of giveaways in the first that you're alluding to and that's kind of limited it as uh, ice time a bit throughout the game but uh, you know, it's really tough, and Jason York and I were talking about this after the game last night. It's really tough for a defenseman when you have that sort of feeling of looking over your shoulder on every play and worried that even a small mistake is going to get put on the bench and uh, and maybe taken out of the lineup when you're that, uh, you know, sort of bubble guy right now, and that seems to be what pattern is. I know that Michelle and talked about uh, the transition game, and that's what they wanted. Uh, Greg Pattern to work on was the transition game and try to help with that. But, um, you know, I think you can't help uh, being a little tighter with your game. When you have that in the back of your mind, that any mistake might put you back in the press box. And, and it's very tough as Jason was saying, especially when you're defenseman, it's very tough to play that way. When you don't have that, that sort of freedom in your mind to say, it's okay, relax, just go play your game, do what you have to do and, and let things kind of happen. So, I think Greg Patterson's a solid player, solid defenseman. I think he could be a very, uh, a good part of the puzzle, piece to the puzzle for the Canadians. But um, yeah, it's just he just needs to have that relaxed confidence right now, and and it's tough to do that. Uh, you know, when you're on, you have that pressure on you all the time. A very little mistake might might take you back out of the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward uh, how they proceed with Greg Patterson
3: and another uh positive aspect of the uh, canadians uh, this season compared to last year has been the power play so far they're uh, they're sixth in the league is that uh, do you think it's only because of shea weber or have you seen any difference in the tactics that are used on the power play
4: well shea weber is a big part of it for starters obviously he has that big shot from the point and and they work it up high and, and can get it to him but um I think Kirk Muller has done a lot of work with the power play, and the power play has improved, but there's more to come, and that simply is because they've got more work to do, and one of the things they're trying to do is more movement uh, for starters. They're not so stationary, uh, which is, you know, uh, something to help, but also the other thing they're trying to work on are more plays down low. I mean, you know, the power play for so many years, even Subban was all about get it up high and, and fire the shot, and to an extent it's the same way with Shea Weber. But I think now they're trying to get more movement on it and and set up more plays down low and create some scoring opportunities that way. And part of that is learning how to be more of a quarterback on the half boards uh, when you're on the power play. And and that's sort of what they're learning at right now or learning about, I guess you could say, and the learning curve is still coming along. So the power play has improved, but I think that there's still more to come. And and you'll, you'll see more production out of the power play. Uh, in the next little while as they continue to work on the ability to create play, uh, plays down low. And that seems to be something others really focused in on right now with the uh, with the special teams unit. Uh, so you have an extra option other than always going back up high and uh, driving into the net and going in.
3: That was John Bartlett, voice of the Montreal Canadiens on Rogers Sportsnet. The power play was a storyline in November, and it continues to be a storyline now as we head into January. Still to come, my discussion with Rick about the injury to Alex Galchenyuk, but coming up next, we will replay our conversation with Louis-Jean from TV Park. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured Habs
0: 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com.
2: Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 Podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs360 podcast and follow Habs360 and Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck.
0: Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience a young professional interested in broadening your credentials an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans we want to hear from you we are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, Social Media Administration, Multimedia, Graphic Design, Web Development and User Support, Event Planning, and Sponsorship and Marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today.
2: The Habs 360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Welcome back to Episode 192, a special best-of episode of The Habs 360 Podcast for this Saturday, December 31st, 2016. My name is Chris G, and at ChrisG1980. On November 12th, we were joined by Louis Jean, hockey host for TV Park, and at the time, the Canadiens had a record of 12-1-1. I asked Louis if The Habs are an elite
1: team. Well, I think there's no question they're going to. I think, they're yes, they're going to be very, very competitive. They're not going to be as dominant as what we're seeing. I mean, these are ridiculous numbers. The statistics, as you mentioned, I mean, they're pretty much 1st or competing for first in several categories. They've got the best plus-minus player. They've got the winningest goaltender right now in the NHL. They've got the best home record. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going well for the Montreal Canadiens. Is it realistic that they continue uh, like this, is it realistic that they, you know, continue to just cruise the way they have been so far? No, it's not because it's a marathon. It's eighty-two games. They've been relatively healthy. They haven't lost anybody impactful, anyways, uh, so far to start the season. And so I think that makes a big difference as well for them. So I mean, yes, I think they're going to be extremely competitive. I think that when you've got a guy like Carey Price, and I was at the morning skate again uh, this morning, heading you know ahead of, of the tilt against the Detroit Red Wings and. They are impressive, and Carey Price is impressive. He just seems like he's you know, in such control in front of the net. I don't know what it would be like for an opposing player to line up and, and know that you're going up against Carey Price. He must be in your head because he is just that good, he is that confident, and he makes that big of a difference. So as long as he's there, as long as they stay relatively healthy, I think what you see is what you get. Maybe not winning at a percentage that they are right now, But I definitely think they're going to continue to be a team, a force to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference because, uh, you know, Carey Price makes them that much better. And they've got a lot of depth. I mean, you know, Mark Bergevin made some pretty slick moves in in acquiring a guy like uh, Alexander Radulov and and holding on to a guy like Paul Byron and, uh, you know, bringing in some some talent even on the blue line. So um, I really think that, you know, uh, we haven't seen much from from a guy like Andrew Shaw so far, but I get that. You know, I, to me, sometimes the adjustment period varies from from player to player. But I'm quite impressed by what I see from this team. And, and speaking of Andrew Shaw, in in our first segment before
3: you came on, I was talking about how uh, how it seems like Andrew Shaw since that uh, to me it coincides with the time where he had that educational talk, as I think what they said with uh, Stefan Quintal. It seems yeah. since then like we, don't, we haven't seen much from him in the preseason, even though I wasn't a fan of how he reacted during that fight during the preseason game against the Capitals, and then there was that slew foot uh, in the season. But
1: since then, yeah. uh, I, I, we haven't seen him. Well, you know what? To me, we haven't seen the real, the real Andrew Shaw at all, to be honest. And I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll see him tonight. Maybe that happens when he faces his former team tomorrow in Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, you talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the discussion he had with Stefan Uh I, I don't, I, you know, to me, to be brutally honest, even before then I didn't feel that he was, you know, he was, um, you know, having the kind of impact that he should. Uh, but again, I mean, sometimes it's funny. You see guys leave markets where they were comfortable, where they, you know, they, they won, they had success. They come into a situation where all of a sudden, to a certain degree, they're going to be asked to do more than they did before. He comes into Montreal. Everybody's talking about his two Stanley Cups and his championships, and the fact that he was a, a, a pest, but a guy that had an impact with the with the Chicago Blackhawks. And when you look at the talent the Chicago Blackhawks had, you say, "Well, he must be a heck of a player. He must have tremendous character if he was able to, you know, to have the kind of impact that he had with with Taves and Kane and." Tanner and, and Anisimov and, and Keith and Subrook and Crawford and all those players in Chicago. And so perhaps to a certain degree he's changed things or, you know, he feels that he needs to play a bit of a different way because he needs to have an impact with the Montreal Canadiens and he needs to do more than he did before. And I think that would be a mistake. But, again, it's still early in the season. And the good thing is that the Canadiens are winning. And so he can kind of figure it out as things go along here. As long as the Canadians continue to, to win, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh,
3: Philippe, Dano has had a great, uh, I think the entire season has been good, but in particular the last week, and he got promoted to, uh, to the third line, and that pushed David D'Arnais to, uh, to the press box. No. Do you think this means
1: that uh, D'Arnais is now the odd man out, well, he is right now, for sure. Um, but, I mean, look, how can you bet against a guy like David Derner, who, you know, he was never drafted into the NHL, had to fight and claw his way into the league uh, and, and prove himself. All he's done his entire career is prove himself. And, look, I mean, is he perfect? No, he's not. Is he as productive as they hoped that he would be? No. Um, but he's a guy, to me, that has just shown such character and resiliency his entire career that uh, for me I, I just can't say that it's over that you need to get rid of him, that you need to trade him because I think that those attributes that brought him into the NHL and made him get the contract that he has right now and uh, and, and gave him a measure of success um, are what's going to you know what drive him and so he's not the biggest player uh, he's a guy who just doesn't shoot a lot and, and it's, I think it's always sort of been the knock on David Dale that he sees the ice extremely well He's made a lot of players around him produce and, and score goals, but he's become predictable because he doesn't shoot. He just doesn't take any shots on net, and so you always know he's looking for the pass instead of looking for take looking at taking a shot and trying to score a goal. And so for me, is he the odd man out? Yeah, he is, and he's going to sit out again tonight against the Detroit Red Wings, but I just think that, you know, because of the, you know, all the things that I mentioned before and and the character that he's always had, I mean, to me, you just can't bet against a guy like that. What's going on with Max Pacioretty? He's
3: on the third line. He scored two goals this season. Do you think he's injured? What
1: do you think is going on with him? Or is it maybe the pressure of him being captain? What do you think is going on? That's a really good question, and I think he's probably wondering himself what's going on. Um, You know... I don't, I would never question a player's commitment. I would never question a player's desire. Uh, I think that if you make it to the NHL, you have that. And, and the reason that you made it is because you were able to make all the sacrifices that are required to have success in the NHL. But, look, he just doesn't look the same. He's not as explosive. You know, I used to think for a while that he was probably going to be a Selke, uh you know, a Selke finalist year in and year out because not only would he drive the net and, and go around the D and get those great shots on net and score important goals for the Canadians you know he, he, he just you know he will also come in always really uh, back check hard and play very well defensively we're not seeing that at either end right now for some reason uh, I don't know if it's if it's because he's he's hurt um, you know if it's because he just hasn't been able to find a groove personally or if it's because of you know perhaps the teammates that he's he's, he's had that he's unable to find the chemistry that he needs but Look, I mean, he's the captain of this team. He cares about the organization. He wants to win so bad, that I can assure you. But I know that it must be extremely, extremely difficult for him uh, not, to, not to be able to produce uh, to his potential right now. That must be very difficult. And this morning, you know, you wouldn't know by looking at him in the locker room. You wouldn't know it by, you know, the interactions that he has with us in the media. But there's no question, I know for sure, this is really bothering him, and, uh, and he can't wait to break out. But, I mean, there's no question in my mind, that being said, that you know, he's a guy that's still capable of scoring 30 to 35, 40 goals uh, a year. And it's just, you know, sometimes when you score, they come in bunches, and when you're snake when you're snakebitten, uh, it just, you know, it's, nothing works for you.
3: And uh, what do you think got uh, Craig Pattern out of the lineup? He's going to be out again tonight for a second game in a row against the Red Wings. I thought he's been having a good season, but I guess the coach doesn't agree with me. Yeah, well,
1: uh, you know what? I sort of agree with you, to be frank. Uh, I, I actually, I actually liked what I saw from him, and I find that he's progressed. And, and what I like about him, I think, is is to me he he uh, he works on his game so much. I think he does have tremendous potential, but he's you know he's a guy that's sort of pigeonholed into that uh, you know five six spot. I mean, he's. Uh, You know, he's had a tough time sort of proving that he can be more than that. But he's he's a a constant pro. You know, he always shows up. He works extremely hard. He's not going to make waves. That's just not his style. And, you know, I think they like Hanley. I think they probably liked what they saw. Uh, To me, anyways, the biggest test of the year uh, on Thursday against the LA Kings and, uh, and, and Hanley showed me a lot. I was quite impressed by him, to be honest with you. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think uh, they're not going to change a winning lineup, so that's why he's not in tonight. That's why Dierne's not playing tonight. But I don't think it's going to be very long either before we see both of those guys back in the lineup. I think they like pattern, but to a certain degree, you know, they've got the guys that you know aren't going to get scratched. I mean, Weber's never going to get scratched. Yebelin is, is a guy that could be, but he's playing. He's playing very good hockey right now. And so right now, he's safe, obviously, as well. And Markov, well, Markov has done so much. There's no way he's, he's going to get, you know, uh, sent up to the press box. So sometimes you go with the guys that have less experience. They have a shorter leash. That's sort of how it works in the NHL. Uh, one last question, Louis,
3: before we let you go. Uh, this morning, I did a search on uh, Twitter. I know it's my reliable sources. I did a search <laughs> for, for, for Fire Terry, Fire Terry tweets. And there was there was actually uh, tweets there from fans asking for Terry to get fired, and I think we're all guilty about it. But my question is, will Michel Terry ever get any credit for the team's success?
1: Well, he deserves a lot of credit uh, for for the for the success of this team right now, and as does uh, you know a guy like Mark Bergevin. I mean, say what you will. I mean, he, he felt last year that uh, you know what happened the you know the faceplant, the debacle, call it what you want. He didn't it didn't sit well with him. He uh, he wasn't happy with the way things went. And so he decided to make changes, and you significant changes. And when you're trading a superstar like Dickie Subban, I'm telling you, you're really exposing yourself to criticism. But you got to give him credit for making the moves that he did, and you got to give a guy like Michelle Terry c- uh, credit as well because as you mentioned, I mean, you know, there's always there's always going to be haters. Uh, it's like that in Montreal you're never going to be able to appeal and appease everyone. That's just never going to happen, not in a hockey-mad market like Montreal. I, I'd be, to me, I'd be curious to see, you know, if you were to look at uh, Fire Blaschel or Fire Bob Babcock or Fire whoever, whichever other coach in the NHL, I'll bet you you'd probably find some because there's always going to be people and fans that uh, prefer something, you know, uh, other and other thing. And so... Um, but you're right. I think you bring a really good point because Michelle um had a tremendous amount of pressure at the beginning of the season. Look, if the Canes didn't get off to the start they did, if they were a 500 team, you, there would be tremendous pressure. There would be huge outcry from the fan base that, look, uh, you know, trade this guy, trade that guy. The coach is no good. His system is terrible. But look, I mean, it's hard to argue with success, and so I'm happy for a guy who... You know, it took him a while to get back in the NHL, but he certainly made the most of it. And what impresses me the most about Michel Terrien is probably the fact that he just seems so comfortable in front of the media. You, you, you played that rant from the other day. I was there during the, the uh, press conference after practice. And he just seems extremely confident and comfortable in his own shoes. He's comfortable in what he's doing, in the decisions that he's making. Things are going very well. I think oh. he was probably feeling a little stressed after that 10 nothing shellacking against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who wouldn't be. But his team responded it wasn't necessarily their best game, but they found a way to win. And, uh, you know, they had their best effort of the season, to me, against the Kings on Thursday. And so give the GM credit, give the coach credit, and give the guys in the room a ton of credit because ultimately they're the ones getting it done. And they know that last year didn't look good on anybody, and they want to make amends. And just for the record, I did a search for "fire
3: Babcock and I did find some tweets. There we go. looks <laughs> like, yeah. like that across the
2: board. That was Louis Jean, hockey host for TV and um, Regardless if the Canadians are on a 10-game winning streak or last three games in a row, someone will be tweeting using the "fire Terrain hashtag. We're going to take a break. And on the other side, we'll replay a discussion I had with Rick about the Alex Galchenyuk injury. Stay with us, this is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net.
0: For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net.
3: If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, Visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search haps 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to haps 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you.
0: If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. Hams 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com.
2: This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net.
3: Welcome back to episode 192, a special best of episode of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, December 31st, 2016. My name is Christian, go follow Twitter at Christian1980. In early December, the Canadians lost Alex Galchenyuk and David Darnet due to injury for a period of six to eight weeks. On a December 10th episode, I was talking with Rick Stevens, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites, about the impact of these injuries, but first, Let's hear captain, Max Petretti, talking about the impact of Galchenyuk's injury.
4: I know when uh, a guy like Galchenyuk goes down, we're going to need people to, spe- to step up, especially through the middle. So, um, you know, it's going to be a big challenge, but I think guys are ready to prove that we have the depth in this organization that uh, we feel we have.
3: So Max Petretti talking about depth there, you know, he, he can't say the opposite. He can't say that, you know what, we're... We're going to be in trouble now. GM, go get us another, another player. But he did come out Thursday night with a, a strong game against the New Jersey Devils, a 5-2 win. But, Rick, now, as we're talking for when it comes to Galchenyuk and Dagne, at least six weeks, or so six to eight weeks. So can he have what it takes internally to survive the next eight weeks? Or do you think Mark Breschman right now needs to go make a trade to uh, try to compensate for the two losses?
5: Uh, you know i i would say no to both um that's that's the real difficulty here and the, and where you know the reason i i chose the way i did last uh last segment um it's a terrible time to make a trade terrible time you're going to pay an awful lot um extra than than Bergeron would have would have had to give a uh, give up in the summer it's just an awful time to make a trade, um, and your your options are so much more limited. Um, but do they have, you know, the the uh, the players internally to to backfill? Well, maybe they would have, but but um, you know, Mike McCarron has played his his entire season so far in the AHL um, after having such a he was dominant in the in the preseason from the rookie camp right through to Habs training camp he won the the third line center position and then he was tossed down to um, the uh, the st. John's ice caps and and it affected him he you know he um, he was suspended for a couple games he had an injury for a few games um, it's it's really affected his play he played exceptionally well last night coming back after missing two games um he, he got a goal but he was in on all the goals he had eight shots on goal last night he was terrific but he would have benefited from being in the canadians lineup all season having earned that that position coming out of camp so i you know they're in a real tough spot right now because they you know they've Bergevan didn't shore up the weakness down the middle and Tarion hasn't allowed the players to develop to to fill in that position um you know part of it you you correctly mentioned that that need more from Thomas Placanitz and having said that he played one of his best games uh he's the last couple of games actually he's been much much better but let me ask that that question that nobody's asking and do they miss Lars Eller um was that a bad move when when you are already small up the middle to to uh, move a guy who has size who has skill um who's a talented skater a tremendous possession uh player you may be, nobody's paying attention to Lars Eller and and you know, I wish Lars Eller all the the best in in with the Capitals this year. Um, but did did you know that he is one of the top possession players in the NHL right now? He's top ten in in possession numbers right now, among uh, right up there with Bergeron, Kopitar, Crosby. He's not putting up the offensive numbers, but the but the point is. Lars Zeller last year or in previous years has, would take part of the defensive load from, uh, from Thomas Buchanitz. Um, Thomas Buchanitz right now has to go up against all of the, um, the opposition's best centers. At least that was being split. So is there an explanation for the fact that Thomas Buchanitz doesn't have his... Uh, has, has poor scoring numbers this year? Maybe there is. And I understand... Uh, you know tern and, Terry and, uh, Darren A's terrible defensively uh is weak right now his game his defensive game is is evolving uh so all the load falls to to uh thomas Buchanan's, and i think i think the the absence of Lars Eller, as as crazy as some people would find that uh is is partly partly to. To to uh, uh, explains the difficulties that Pukans is having. I understand he's had chances, he's missed them. His confidence doesn't seem to be, be there. I acknowledge all that, but also in part of that list to explain the play from Thomas Buchanan is is the absence of Lars Heller.
3: So Rick, I think you're crazy uh,
5: when it comes. <laughs> I to, know, uh... I know you do. Yeah. <laughs>
3: When it comes to Lars Zeller, I agree that you know it probably has an impact on uh, Thomas uh, Plekanec. You know maybe it's preventing him from getting a couple more, couple more points. But if we would look Lars Zeller right now with these current injuries to the Montreal Canadiens, with the uh, not uh, without, with David Desharnais not playing as well, would would Lars Zeller help offensively? Like I, I'm. I know Lars Eller, he's great defensively. We have Plekkanets who could do that job right now. But if I, when it comes to the offense, I don't think that Lars Eller would, uh, would help the Marchal Canadiens right now in this kind of uh, in situation.
5: I, I, I'm just saying that, that missing Eller is, is part of the puzzle. It's part of the puzzle, and they did nothing to... You either go out and get somebody to, to f- fill in there, or you develop. You develop... Um, and I'm, I'm going to leave D'Arnais right off the list. I don't think D'Arnais, yeah, he's going to be missing for for the next six or eight weeks. He's been missing since the beginning of the season. Let's talk about, we've talked about Placanits' lack of offense. What about D'Arnais? He's been pitiful. We talked about last week his, his two chip-ins, uh, his goals. He has three goals, six assists, nine points. Of his six assists, do you know how many are were primary assists? One, just one. Again, he's the king of patting his points, the king of secondary assists, the king of happening to being on the ice when other players do good things. He has five secondary assists. He's been terrible this season and 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 again, that's Tarion wanted. Darne in that third slot, the third center slot, rather than Mike McCarran. I think it was a big mistake, and right now, uh, it's it's going to be tough on McCarran and uh, Denno and and everybody who's asked to fill in, um, given that 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 was occupying that slot for the first uh, quarter of the season.
3: Uh, I'm not going to dispute uh, David because I, I totally ag- agree that you know his time. We're we're seeing his final moments with Montreal Canadiens this season. I I would be shocked if he does come back. When it comes to the next player, uh, Canadiens acquiring a player to or develop a player to become an next Lars Zeller I think that's what the acquisition of Phil Danone was last season. And even if I remember correctly, I think it was at a mortem where Mark Bergeron was asked the the fact that. Uh, Phil Danone was acquired, so it must have been after the draft then, that uh, Larzella was available because of Danone. and he said yes. So that just shows that that's what Bergervain's intention uh, was with the acquisition of uh, Phil Danone. And when it comes to Michael McCarron, I agree that if you would have started the season off with the Montreal Canadiens right now, he'd be able to, um, to help out more, the team, have a bigger impact during the absence of Alex Galchenyuk. But even if he was here from day one of the regular season, like no way, like we would be able to expect him to replace Alex Galchenyuk as a team's uh, number one center either.
5: No, right. is that no, what the I agree. Okay, so I, I yeah,
3: no, 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 no,
5: I'm not. No, I'm not saying he. No, I'm just saying that it it helps your your depth. That uh, is the only one uh, who can move in and and replace Galchenyuk uh, right now. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I'd I'd like to see them better use Lekanin um, in 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 a role somehow with Radulov and um, and uh, I, I um, like I say I I think it's a puzzle I think it's a puzzle and and right now the Canadians are short some pieces and that had to do with the way they they planned that they didn't go out and get somebody or they didn't effectively develop what they had in house.
3: Yeah, so I agree. I think the Canadians, like, they, they do need a trade, but it's not the time to do it. So I guess I'm saying that, no, that uh, I, I'm agreeing with Rick indirectly. So that's what, Uh-oh. I guess, upsetting me right now. Because <laughs> 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 if they do it right now, they'll have to overpay. Because they know that the Canadians are, would be desperate. Now, we even saw Thursday night game at the Bell Centre, there was 20 scouts at the game. So they were saying... Uh, members from the media that this is the most that they've seen at the Bell Center that the people even had to stand up. There was representatives from Dallas, Vegas. Okay, Vegas were there for other reasons, of course. The Ducks, Carolina, the Blackhawks, the Devils, Nashville, Tampa Bay, Columbus, Vancouver, Arizona, San Jose, Buffalo, LA, and Calgary. So it's a lot of teams that were in town on Thursday, and I'm sure a lot of them had to do with no, let's go check out the Canadians in, ca- in case the uh, gives them uh, a call to uh, for a player or two and players that will need to step up. You know, uh, Max Pacioretty. We we saw we found out what the reason was that maybe he wasn't playing as well recently just because he had the hairline fracture. And while the last three games, Max Pacioretty has scored three goals. So are we going to see now that he's healed? The carry the, the the Max Pacioretty that we know, the Max Pacioretty that scores 35 to 40 goals. If that's the case, this would be the time right now where he needs to get hot to get back into that pace that he is uh, able to score. We mentioned Plekanec; he had a good, he played good the last couple of games, so he needs to uh, to keep it up as well. Brendan Gallagher; he hasn't uh, produced offensively, so he'll need to step it up as well. And when it comes to uh, Alex Radulov, well, he needs to continue doing how he's been, he's been playing. And, well, if all these guys are successful or, and they step it up and they produce, the Canadians, I think, will manage well during the uh, six to eight-week absence of uh, Galchenyuk and uh, David Davner. And, well, the Canadians have done better than a lot of us expected so far uh, with their number one center out with his injury. That do it for this week's episode of the Habs 360 podcast. Hope you enjoyed some of our best moments that we played in last week's and today's episode. My name is Chris G. You can find on Twitter at chrisg1980. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year and all the best for 2017. We'll be back next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for a live edition of the Habs 360 podcast. Take care.
2: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen
4: the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.